the teams you care about. The Patriots are absolutely a contender. They're not just in the conversation. They're in the VIP section at the party right now. The stories that matter to you. Ryan Davis is the reigning conference player of the year. Ben Shungu is the most important player to the Catamounts, bar none. This is your home for New England sports. Could you just please let the Justin Verlander conversation go? I don't want him with the Red Sox. This is the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV AM, FM, and WDEVradio.com. What's up, everybody? Brady Farkas Show on a Wednesday right here on WDEV AM and FM and WDEVradio.com. Huge show today. We've actually got a bunch of different interviews that we've done or are doing today. So we're doing something a little bit different than what we usually do. You're going to hear a few minutes from our Tom Karen interview. You're going to hear a few minutes from our Freddie Coleman interview. And we're going to have the full versions available online. So Brady Farkas Show podcast channel, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. Tom Karen, Freddie Coleman, great interviews. We've already taped them. Full interviews are there. We'll play a few minutes of them. It's kind of some targeted sections here in the show. And then UVM men's basketball star Ben Shungu is going to be with us at 545. So Benny's going to be with us. Catamounts win last night against WPI in the highly anticipated Division Three, Division One showdown. UVM wins that one 81-48. So Benny's going to be with us. Catamounts are 2-1. and one. They're playing Yale on Friday. So looking forward to that. If you don't know his story, South Burlington native, Rice Memorial product. And now, as you just heard in the promo there, the intro, the most important player on the Catamounts roster. It is a full 90 minutes going up until 7 p.m. And remember, no show tomorrow because of Patriots Thursday night football against the Falcons. So we got plenty to get in today. Here we go. Five, four, three, two, one. And here we go. Opening thoughts on the Brady Farkas show brought to you by Sticks and Stuff and by Swanton Lumber, Vermont's most complete locally owned home center locations, Enosburg, Derby, Middlesex, St. Albans, and at Swanton Lumber. They're online at sticksandstuff.com. Napa Morrisville, Napa Waterbury text line is open, 802-585-3026. The report is out that John Henry and the Fenway Sports Group are close to buying the Pittsburgh Penguins. And I've got to say, as a fan, I detest this. I hate this news that came out yesterday. John Henry and the Fenway Sports Group own the Boston Red Sox, and now John Henry and the Fenway Sports Group want to buy the Pittsburgh Penguins, and they just may do it. I hate this. Does anybody else hate this? 802, I'm invite those of you who are on board with me, let me know you're on board with me because I'm very passionate about this. 802-585-3026. The people who are against me, I know what you're going to tell me. Oh, but Brady, John Henry's a businessman, and the opportunity to buy a sports team, it doesn't come around that often. It's all about the money. you got to pounce when it's available. You can't just wait. From a business standpoint, I can understand that. But as a fan of Boston sports teams, I cannot and will not reconcile that. I hate this. I hate the idea of John Henry, who was invested in New England, who owns the Red Sox, buying a team that is a direct rival with Boston's hockey team. No amount of good business sense 
will allow me to get over that? Who's with me and who thinks I'm crazy? Because I went to three or four different people today that said they thought I was nuts with this. And I went to three or four different people today that said, I'm right there with you. I hate it too. The Boston Herald wrote a story saying that they disagreed with this. WEEI.com wrote a story that they disagree with this premise, and I disagree with this premise. John Henry isn't from Boston originally. I understand that. He's owned other teams before, so he's not the same. He's not the native son that Robert Kraft is. But John Henry has invested heavily in this region, and this, to me, feels like a Benedict Arnold traitorous move. That's what this feels like. John Henry's group owns the Red Sox. It owns 80% of Nesson. His group owns the Boston Globe. Whether he's from here or not originally, he has made a commitment to properties and entities in this area and to go and buy the Pittsburgh Penguins, who compete directly with this region. It just does not sit well with me. And... I'm, I'm smart enough to recognize, I understand that this kind of business transaction, it happens. John Henry wouldn't be the first and he won't be the last to own teams in different regions. Stan Kroenke owns the Denver Nuggets and the Colorado Avalanche, also owns the Los Angeles Rams. So we do see this, but this to me feels different because it's happening to us. It's happening in our region. Think about this. You're driving in your car. You're listening on demand to the podcast. Think about this. Red Sox fans, of which you just probably might be one, have lined John Henry's pockets for 20 years. Boston Globe subscribers have lined his pockets for 20 years. If your cable package now or ever has included Nesson, you have lined John Henry's pockets. Okay, You have helped make him rich. And those same people that have helped make him rich are probably also Boston Bruins fans. And now John Henry is going to buy a team that has a regular opportunity to compete and beat those same fans that made him rich for 20 years. Maybe that's good business, but as a fan, I can't get over that. Okay, it doesn't matter whether you're Rick from Montpelier or Joe from the south end of Boston. If you are a Red Sox fan and you are also a Bruins fan, you feel betrayed today. I know you do. I know you are out there. Phil says, Brady, it's a free country. John Henry can do what he wants. Is this really a big deal? I'm a Bruins fan. Yeah, it's a big deal. It's a big deal to me, and I think it's a big deal to a lot of people. Maybe it's not to you, Phil, and that's fine. But the Boston Herald said it was a traitorous move. WEEI said it was a bad PR decision by John Henry, and I completely agree. I, today, feel betrayed by this. Bruins fans, Red Sox fans, lined his pockets, have lined his pockets for 20 years, and now he's going to go buy a team that's going to try to keep you as a fan from accomplishing your goals. That rubs me the wrong way. It absolutely rubs me the wrong way. I always hear that owning a sports team is said to come with some sense of civic duty. Owning a sports team comes with some sense of civic duty. Ted Turner owned all Atlanta teams. Jerry Reinsdorf, Bulls, 
White Sox, I believe Blackhawks, all Chicago. Paul Allen owned the Northwest. Ted Leonis, Wizards and Capitals. Terry and Kim Pagula, Sabres and Bills. Generally, while what John Henry wants to do does happen, generally, people who invest in a city, they invest in a city and they make their mark there. They don't just willy-nilly and start dipping their, their feet in both ends of the pool and start creating rivalries amongst their fans. I, look, if John Henry was, will, was looking to buy the Anaheim Ducks 3,000 miles away in the Western Conference, barely play the Bruins, if he was looking to buy Winnipeg, different conference, different country, barely play the Bruins, I probably really wouldn't be that bent out of shape. I, I if if you know uh, Colorado fans, I could get them not being upset with Stan Kroenke because the Rams are in a separate conference from the Broncos. I think that makes a difference. That right now in this story, we're talking about the Pittsburgh Penguins, an Eastern Conference rival of the Bruins, and a constant impediment to the Bruins trying to win a cup. That bothers me. Think about this: you are a Red Sox fan. You are a Bruins fan. You want the Bruins to win the cup. And John Henry, the guy who you've supported for 20 years, is now going to build a team to try to break you down? No. I'm, I helped make you rich, and now you don't get to come and beat me. That's not how this works. That's not how this works. We get an unnamed texter. Says, oh, no, Mark in Essex, rather. Brady, this is a non-story. Who cares? If you or I could do it, we would. It means nothing to me. I'm a Red Sox fan. You, know, you can say that, but when you have made your mark in one place and a group of people in a city have been loyal to you, I think you should feel a, a debt of loyalty to them. There is a reason why everybody that I just named there owns a city owns parts of a city there aren't that many people that own different teams in different cities and different sports the the wizards capitals connection the sabers bills connection that is more the norm patrick mahomes is the quarterback of the chiefs he bought stake in the kansas city royals why because he wants to invest in kansas city he didn't go buy a, a stock of the texas rangers or the chicago white Sox. He bought a stock in the he bought a stake rather in the Kansas City Royals because the city is what he's investing in. And those fans have been loyal to him and he wants to give back to them. And sure, the Bruins aren't for sale. So what? Don't buy an NHL team. Don't go buy the Bruins rival and try to beat everybody who's made you rich along the way. I'm not for that. Jamie and Fairhaven, you're wrong on this. If it's just business and the owners are only looking at it as such, you're right. It is business. And usually, I'm able, I think, one of the things I do well in this job, and I, hey, you can debate me on this, but one of the things I think I do well is generally looking at things with a level-headed approach. I try not to get too emotional and too reactive. I try to figure things out Um step-by-step step and have a thought process. In this case, I can't. Fan is short for fanatic. And most people in our region are fanatics about their teams, and I can't look at this in any other way. This feels to me like a betrayal. 
George in Berlin, do you think this affects the Red Sox in any way financially? No, I don't. I will say that I don't think this affects the Red Sox financially. I don't think this affects anybody but the fans. I don't think that this affects anybody but the fans. As I've outlined, I have a problem with this as a fan, but I don't think it really impacts the Sox. NHL has a salary cap. It's not that big. There's more money in baseball than in hockey. John Henry wouldn't buy the team if he didn't have the capital to fund the team. So the Penguins players will get their deals. I think the Red Sox will act entirely separately, and I don't think you'll see them all of a sudden start pinching pennies to pay for the Penguins. I I don't think that. In terms of a the logistical way that this impacts the Red Sox or impacts teams in our area, not that big. But just from a personal feeling standpoint, it just feels wrong. It just feels dirty to me. You know, I, look, I, I've grown up a Seahawks fan, or I've grown up a Mariners fan, diehard Mariners fan. If the owner of the Mariners wanted to go and buy the San Francisco 49ers, the rival of the Seahawks, it would be I would be completely against it. Completely think of it this way. If Robert Kraft went and tried to buy the Yankees, how would you feel about that? You cannot tell me. Is this not a big deal to you because it's hockey? If Robert Kraft tried to buy the Yankees, how would you feel? I think you'd be upset. That would feel different. If Hal Steinbrenner tried to buy the Patriots, that might be different. I, I'm not for this. Unnamed texter. Oh, no, Mark again. Your stance is commendable, Brady. It's just not realistic in this society of greed. Well, fine. Maybe that's true. But, you know, John Henry couldn't have, uh, look, he couldn't have gone and bought another soccer team. He couldn't have sponsored a tennis star. He had to go and try to buy the Pittsburgh Penguins. He couldn't try to buy a, a Western Conference hockey team when it became available. He could have bought he could have bought Seattle and, and, and developed a Kraken from the ground up if he wanted to, and I probably wouldn't have cared. But this is an Eastern Conference rival. This is a team that's a constant impediment to all of your fans. That, to me, makes a difference. New York Rangers, Brook, uh, the Islanders, New Jersey Devils, Penguins, Flyers, those all feel different to me. If he wanted to buy the Dallas Stars or the Minnesota Wild, again, I may not budge about it. What if he tried to buy the Canadians? Would you feel the same way? I would hope not. If John Henry tried to buy the Canadians, how would you feel? I hope you'd feel betrayed. That's just how I feel about this one. If Robert Kraft tried to buy the Yankees, I think you'd feel betrayed. It's the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV, AM and FM and WDEVradio.com. All right, we got some disagreement on this. We'll take more texts all throughout the day. The one thing we can agree on so far today is that the UVM men's basketball team is a likable group. They're 2-1 and one on the season, and they are being driven by one of us. Vermonter Ben Shungu is helping lead this team, and he's going to lead this team this season. Named America East Player of the Week last week, almost helped the team pull an upset of Maryland. He's a South Burlington native, a Rice Memorial product. Ben Shungu is going to be with us next for the two-in-one Catamounts on the Brady Farkas Show on Dex. Now it's back to the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV AM, FM, and WDEVradio.com. Well, 
Welcome back in Brady Farkas show right here on a Wednesday on WDEV AM and FM and WDEV radio.com UVM men's basketball out to a two and one start. They opened up their home slate last night with an 81 48 win over division three WPI and they're getting ready for Yale in a highly contested contest much anticipated coming up on Friday at Patrick Jim and one of the leaders of the team right now, South Burlington native and rice product Ben Shungu, named the America East Player of the Week. Benny is with us now. Benny, how are you? I'm good, man. How are you doing? Good. I appreciate you being with us. Um, last night, a game against a D3 opponent. It's probably great to be Patrick, Patrick Jim in the regular season. What can you get out of a matchup like last night? Um, I think um, we just, you know, last night's opponent. Um, I think with us, uh, just really just trying to, execute our game plan um, to the fullest, uh, really just be sharp on our offensive schemes and defensive schemes. And so um, yesterday was more of a um, trying to do everything uh, right on the defensive end and offensive end. So um, that's kind of what uh, we were trying to go for. You guys out to a two and one start right now. What do you like about this team in the early going? Um, I like how our pace has been really, really good um, in the means of just how fast we've been playing. Um, I think that's uh, definitely a um, advantage against other opponents. And so um, I think also just with the, the, the chemistry and how connected we are as a team, um, that's been really helpful as well. From a team building standpoint, how just much better is this year than last year in terms of being able to be around each other more often and having more usual preseason, et cetera. From a chemistry standpoint, how, just how much better is it this year? Yeah, I'd say, I mean, I'd say it's a lot better just because of, you know, uh, the circumstances last year were tough with just having to have so many rules and things that we had to go through because of COVID. Um, and so with this year, um, we were able to kind of get like a normal season, a normal preseason. Um, going into the summer, we were able to actually get a full uh, summer training uh, workout schedule and whatnot. So um, I think that definitely helped as well as just kind of um, bringing in the new guys and the freshmen as well. Because of COVID, the eligibility rules are crazy right now. You could have left. You could have gone to a different school. You could have graduated. Why did you want to stay? Um, I just think it was the best decision for me. Um, I felt like, one, I felt like, you know, it was unfinished business with uh, losing in the semifinals last year. And so um, I guess it just, when it all came down to it, um, it felt like I needed to graduate as a countermount. And, um, you know, go at it one more time, really. Um, and also just the guys that are here, too, and, uh, you know, obviously the coaches and the coaching staff that we have now, too. Um, I just felt like everything was right uh, for me to stay. A lot gets made of the storyline that you have, being the local kid, playing at the hometown school. Do you buy into that at all, or is it not something that you really focus on? Um, I mean, it's it's definitely there. Uh, I would be lying if I said I, you know, just kind of push it away, but um, – I mean, I'm I'm appreciative of kind of, you know, everything that's going on and, you know, having my name being talked about. But um, uh, my main focus is obviously not on that. Obviously, my main focus is trying to be the best version of myself that I could be and trying to um, push my teammates so they can be the best version of themselves. And hopefully we can be the best version of ourselves as a team. Is there pressure on you being the local kid? 
I don't think so. Um, uh, I just think I have a bigger fan base <laughs> as well as more support, which is, um, you know, amazing. And I am very appreciative of, you know, being able to grow up here, uh, have my family around and also just have the support of everyone who's, you know, uh, who lives in the state and whatnot. But um, to me, I don't, I don't consider that pressure. UVM basketball star Ben Chungu with us here on the Brady Farkas show on WDEV. Uh, Ryan Davis is the reigning player of the year. You're on the preseason all-conference team. I was talking with Coach Brennan yesterday, and he said one of the things he loves about this team in the early going is that you guys both get a lot of headlines and you don't compete with each other for those headlines. So how does that hum- where does that humility come from? Uh, I think it just comes from just how we are as human beings, really. Um, you know, just – me and Ryan are both very, very humble, and we both obviously um, want to maximize our potential as basketball players, but as well as just, you know, people in general, really. I think um, we don't try to um, compete or try to, um, you know, kind of nudge heads, really, when there's no point of nudging heads or butting heads and whatnot. So uh, we, me and him both know that the ultimate goal is to win a championship out here, and so um, that's what we're focused on. Career high twenty seven for you against Maryland last weekend. You guys had the lead at half. How do you close a game like that out in the future? Um, limiting our mistakes. Um, I think it was way too many times where uh, in the second half we had possessions of just we didn't get as much out of it, as well as on the defensive end we had possessions of you know just kind of miscommunicating or missing an assignment and whatnot. So I think um, just really trying to sharpen our tools when the game gets tight and you know obviously our legs get a little bit tired so um just just really just having that same focus that we had um at the beginning of the game we're three games into the season you guys got a couple exciting freshmen a couple of new transfers that have come in give us a little nugget on somebody that we don't know as well that we should be watching for here as the season develops um i'd say uh i don't want to leave anybody out but i mean i'd i'd say i guess uh with the f- with my uh, incoming freshman, I'd probably say Evan Guillory. Um, I think he has a very high ceiling and um, his potential is unreal with just how good he can be. And so, um, especially with, you know, the defensive end and the offensive end as well. So I think um, that's definitely somebody that um, everybody will get to know soon. I'll get you out of here on two fun questions. Thanksgiving is coming up. If there was a player on your team that was making the Thanksgiving meal, who would it be? Me. You? You're the best cook? I, I can dabble a little bit. I can dabble <laughs> a little bit. But um, if if I didn't have to say myself, um, I'm going to go with the old heads, uh, either, either Justin Mazzullo or Bailey Patella. All right, so that's that's where the meal's coming from for Thanksgiving for the Catamounts. And uh, how about if Coach Becker told you to take a recruit out to lunch anywhere in town, where are you taking them? Where's the spot? That's a tough question. Um, oof. Uh, I mean, there's, there's a lot of great spots. Um, I might – I think I'd have to – one that comes to mind right now, I'd, I'd say Handy's Lunch. 
Andy's Lunch. That sounds like a good spot. Very, very popular. So I think a good choice by you. So Ben Shungu, UVM basketball star, America East Player of the Week, more than 20 points a game in those first two Catamount games. Back in action Friday, Patrick Jim against Yale. Benny, we appreciate the time and best of luck the rest of the way. I know a lot of people in this state are going to be watching and following along. Thank you. Appreciate you as well. Absolutely. There goes Ben Shungu, one of the leaders of your UVM Catamounts. So we got some stuff. We'll, you know, we'll react to some of the Benny interview later in the show. We got a couple of things that he said there that stuck out to me. But he's had a great start to the season. Actually, he did not score last night against WPI, but did not shoot really either. I think he was just like 0 for 3 in that game. UVM won that game. As I told you, they blow him out 81 to 48. They actually didn't score as many points as I thought that they would, but if Benny's not going to shoot, not going to score, then, you know, if he scores at a normal rate, 15, 18 points, they're in the upper in the upper 90s there. So I, I'm not too upset by the lack of scoring because I know that Benny can score when he's needed to score. He probably just tried to get other people involved. Um, ironic, we said the game didn't do a whole lot for us last night playing a Division Three opponent, but we did acknowledge that some benefit could come to a couple of catamounts, and it happened for all three of the guys we pointed out. Ryan Davis had 28. Good to see him get the ball go through the net and you know good for him to gain his legs and gain his confidence so he scored 28 so that's a good sign for UVM moving forward then he had Cam Gibson a newcomer from Western Carolina get 11 and Justin Missoula get 10 we know that Davis and Shungu can score we've seen Isaiah Powell score so those three right now we feel good about but we needed the other guys well Missoula and Gibson they're vying to be the said other guys and they were able to get going last night so uh, UVM wins they're back at it on Friday that Friday game against Yale is going to be really good we're going to be on the air on Friday with the afternoon news service and with this show so we'll keep you posted as to what's going on disappointed we won't be able to really watch it the four o'clock start must have something to do with being around the holidays but uh, you know I wish that game were a seven o'clock game I'd consider going to it for the second half after this game after this show but uh, we'll keep you posted on that on Friday we'll react to some of what Benny had to say in the 6 o'clock hour. Patriots, though, Thursday night football game coming up tomorrow against the Atlanta Falcons. One Pat, one Pat Starr says, I don't like play it on Thursday. And you know what? He's got a completely valid point. We'll tell you who's saying it and why they're right next on DEV. Now it's back to the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV AM, FM, and WDEVradio.com. Welcome back in, Brady Farkas Show, right here on WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. We're going to get to the Patriots here in a second, but a couple of random things that I just want to point out. Uh, we talk about, we started off the show talking about my anger at John Henry potentially or wanting to buy the Pittsburgh Penguins. They are having that exact same conversation right now on WEEI. So if you think that I am making a big deal out of this and it's nothing, understand that the biggest sports entities in our entire region are having this exact same conversation because clearly people in their listening areas are also bothered by this. Mike Butnansky, Mutt from the Red Sox Radio Network, he hosts on WEEI from 6 to 10 at night. He just posted a Twitter question. Are you upset that Red Sox ownership wants to buy the Pittsburgh Penguins? So they're having the exact same conversation. It is not just me clearly who was bothered by this because if it was such a one-sided affair, they wouldn't be having the conversation. Next, 
Breaking baseball news. Justin Verlander has re-signed with the Houston Astros. It's a one-year, $25 million deal. One year, $25 million, and Verlander gets a player option for the second year. I'm glad the Red Sox didn't do this. I told you from the start, not worth the risk to me. Here, here is what this would have meant for the Red Sox. You are paying Justin Verlander, a 39-year-old pitcher, $25 million. He's coming off a Tommy John surgery. That I'm not interested in. You are paying him, in addition to $25 million, you're giving up a top 75 draft pick it would have been to the Houston Astros. I'm not interested in that. And Verlander gets the second year on his terms. He gets the player option. So if he pitches great, you, you don't. If you pitches great, then he's going to leave you. And if he pitches terrible, then he's going to re-sign with you and he's going to bog your payroll down. Not interested. Not interested. I'm glad the Red Sox didn't do this. He very well may be good for the Astros. The Astros are in a different situation. They don't have to forfeit their own draft pick to sign him. They're just spending money in taking this chance. The Red Sox would have spent way more than money in this chance. I It just was never worth the risk. So good for Verlander that he got it, but he wasn't going to get that from me with the Red Sox. It is the Brady Farkas show on WDEV AM and FM and WDEVradio.com. Another text come in uh, says that my name is O'Brien. I'm hanging out in my truck. He says, I'm giving Henry a pass on the Penguins. He and his team made an investment in the Sox that the prior owners wouldn't. Thus, championships I thought would never come in my lifetime were made. We paid him because he invested in the Red Sox, not his wallet. So, I think what Henry is, I'm sorry, I think what O'Brien is saying is that he delivered here, so now he can do what he wants. And if that's how you feel, then fine. But that is not how I feel. Everyone entitled to their own opinion. It's the fun of the business. It's why we do this show, so we can have healthy debate, healthy conflict, and healthy conversation. I just disagree. I feel like John Henry made an investment. Boston Globe, Nesson, the Red Sox. He came in as an outsider. He has bought enough things to try to be considered an insider. And now he has put himself back in the outside column. And I'm just, I'm, it feels like a traitorous move to me. Feels like a traitorous move, and I'm not going to get over it. I'm just not. You might, you might not care. Some of you, as evidenced by the text line, don't. Others of you do. But I really do this bothers me and when the pittsburgh penguins beat the boston bruins in the eastern conference finals and the penguins are hoisting the cup again and the bruins are not we will see how the region feels about it i have a feeling that if you're not feeling like i am now you're going to feel that way when that scenario happens when Sidney crosby is holding the cup again you're going to feel the way that i feel all right Let's move to the Patriots. Patriots and Falcons tomorrow. No show for me tomorrow. Pats Falcons, 5.30 with the pregame show. Bob Sosi, Scott Zolak from Atlanta. So Falcons got their doors blown off. They lost 43-3 to the other day to Dallas, while the Pats won 45-7 to against Cleveland. Patriots defensive back star and uh, long-tendered Pat Devin McCourty says he's not a fan of playing on Thursdays. 
I mean, quite frankly, it sucks to play Sunday and then have to play again Thursday. But you push through it and you look at the, the next break that you're going to get as a 10-day break. And you got to just push through mentally and, and continue to tell yourself that and go out there and try to, you know, play play a good game. And I think the, the thing about it is there's two teams that are going through the same thing. McCourty says it sucks to play on Thursday. How do you view those comments? How do you take them? 802 585 3026. That's the Napa Morrisville Napa Waterbury text line. For me, McCourty's 100% right. Playing on Thursday after playing on Sunday, it does suck. And it's not fair. It doesn't, I don't think Thursday night football breeds a high quality of play. And it's certainly potentially unsafe as well to put athletes out there after playing on, on Sunday to again play four days later. So it's unsafe, it's unfair, and it's not a great brand of football. In a league that is supposedly about player safety, it doesn't seem right to put the players out there again that quickly. Football was designed to be played once a week, not twice. And they give you a bye even because they understand how stressful physically the sport is. The sport was designed to be played that way, not the way that makes you play twice inside four days. So Devin McCourty is right. Playing on Thursday does suck. And I don't think that he's having just sour grapes. And specific to his situation, I think he's I think it makes even more sense. He's an older player who wants and needs more time to recover. I get why he's salty about it. In his situation it makes even more sense. But while it's unfair to I think all the players, and while to him it's certainly unjust, I think there are plenty of players who welcome Thursday Night Football because of the money. The money generated by Thursday Night Football is huge, and that money is funneled down to the players in terms of their contracts. They get bigger contracts as a result of Thursday Night Football existing in the TV deal that comes with it. And for a league where half the players are undrafted and a league where a lot of the players are out in three years or less, those players need every dime that they can get. They need that extra rush of Thursday night football cash. McCourty doesn't need the money. He's, you know, he's got a $30 million contract. He's made a bunch in his career. What he needs is time. What he needs is rest and recovery. So if I were in his situation where I was a 10-year vet who had made a bunch of money, I'd hate it too. But a lot of players aren't in his situation. So it does suck. He's right about that. I agree to him specifically that he could do without it. He's made the money that that comes from it. His body now would like the recovery. I'm, I'm 100% with Devin McCourty. But a lot of players, I think they suck it up and bear it because they do need the money. And they don't have the security that McCourty has. Uh, David in Montpelier on the Napa Morrisville, Napa Waterbury text line. Another whiny athlete. Suck it up. If you don't want to play, I'll go ahead and do it for that money. David, I, I don't think that David's the only one to feel that way. Every year somebody complains about Thursday night football. And every year somebody responds just like David did. Suck it up. I'll do it if you won't. Look, these guys can quit. I get it. These guys can quit if they want to. They can quit if they don't want to play. 
and they're obviously not going to do that. So they do. They suck it up, and they bear it. But guess what? All of our employers ask us to do things that we don't love, and we go home, and we complain about it, and we, we kick our feet up at it, and then we do it anyways. That's what De Devin McCourty is doing no differently than any of us do. How many times has your employer asked you to work on a weekend when you didn't want to? How many times have they asked you to work on a night when you didn't want to? How many times have they asked you to travel when you didn't want to? How many times have they told you to come in early or to get dressed up or we got to meet this client or, hey, we got to go golfing with this guy or take lunch with that guy? They all do it. Heck, I worked 16 hours a couple weeks ago. Is that my first choice? No. But the employer asks you to do it, so you do it. Sure, you could quit if you want. But most of us aren't going to. We're going to complain about it for a bit, and then we're going to do it. Devin McCourty, this is like the most relatable thing that we've ever had to an NFL player. A guy complains about what his employer asks him to do, then sucks it up and does it anyways because he has to. That's what we all do. Mostly every day. That's like the most relatable thing that I've ever heard. So McCordy's no different than any of us. It's the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. I spoke to Freddie Coleman of ESPN Radio earlier, and the full interview is available on our podcast channel. But I'll play you just the, the, the best snippets right now from Freddie. And I asked him, I said, Freddie, Devin McCordy, legitimate point? About Thursday night football sucking or sour grapes? Oh, completely a legitimate point, Brady, because if you're a team that right now is on a four-game winning streak and then you have to get out of your routine to get ready for a Thursday night game that's put out there for money and ratings, I don't blame Devin McCourty for putting that out there. And he's not the only player that has said anything about that. I mean, Tom Brady not too long ago said that having a 17-game season, Thursday night games are not a good idea for the players in the National Football League. But the players know this. There really isn't anything they can do about it. You can say whatever you like in terms of being upset and not feeling it's a good idea, and they're, they're all those well-made points they completely have brought to the table. But at the same time, it's not going away anytime soon. So it's not sour grapes. It's just the reality that a lot of players do not like a Thursday game, especially it's not a Thanksgiving Day game where you're playing on Thursday after having a short week. You know, Mac Jones, I think tomorrow's going to be a good, unique challenge for him. The first time him preparing to play on a short week, first time maybe not, you know, certainly not having a full week of practice, maybe a more limited game plan. He's looked pretty good of late. What do you think we see from him tomorrow against the Falcons? The same thing we've seen all year long, Brady, and that's a guy that is going to not make mistakes with the football. Remember, he's completing over 69% of his passes, and I know that a lot of people look at his yardage and his touchdowns and say, well, where's the 300-yard games? Where's the 25-plus touchdowns? Only the elite quarterbacks do that in the National Football League by this point of the year, and a lot of those guys don't have those kind of numbers. You're not going to see anything different in the Patriots, and why would you change what has worked all year long? You're going to play tough run defense. You're going to run the football, and you have a quarterback that more than ever before, also those dink and dunk plays, Brady, have become those 15 to 20 to 25-yard throws that he's shown the ability that he can be accurate with those throws. So I don't think we're going to see a different Mac Jones or a different Patriots game plan. Why mess with something that has worked all season long and has led you with a four-game winning streak coming into this game on Thursday night? What did we, and maybe not you specifically because I don't remember your take on it, but what did we, the public at large, get wrong about Mac Jones? 
because he didn't look the part in terms of compared to a Trey Lance drafted by the 49ers, a Justin Fields drafted by the Chicago Bears, a Trevor Lawrence drafted by the Jacksonville Jaguars. I think a lot of people got it wrong on Mac Jones because they looked at the Guardians of the Galaxy that he played with at Alabama and all those wide receivers, and plenty of people said, well, anybody could have made those plays. That is one of the dumbest things I've ever heard of because we've seen other teams have great wide receivers that can never get them to football. Why are we punishing Mac Jones for making those playmakers, make, making those playmakers, excuse me, look even better than they were? Devontae does not win that Heisman Trophy. Alabama wide receiver Devontae Smith and Mac Jones is not his quarterback. So I think that's why a lot of people got it wrong on Mac Jones. That they looked at the personnel that was around him and the offensive linemen that were around him, and they said that anybody could have played behind those people. Well, that's not entirely 100% true. And Mac Jones made the most of that opportunity, waiting his turn behind first Jalen Hurts and the two of Tony Bailoa. And he was able to strike while the iron was hot. Why were people punishing for him for that? Is completely foreign to me. You know, Freddie. Obviously, we've seen enough weird things happen in the NFL that we we can't just all, you know ever pencil in a game as a guaranteed victory. But tomorrow for the Patriots seems like it should be a victory against the Falcons, who just got beat by Dallas by forty points. Do the Falcons have any chance at offering up resistance tomorrow night? Of course, Brady. You know why? Three letters, NFL. We've seen that each and every week where something happens where it leaves us scratching our heads. You have the Jaguars beating the Bills one week, the Jets beating the Titans another week, Detroit and the Pittsburgh Steelers going to a 16-16 tie. More than ever before, and this season has completely crystallized it to me and it should crystallize it to everybody else. The NFL is no longer week by week. It's second by second. And if you have the wrong kind of face going into the game, the wrong kind of attitude going into the game, then you're going to look up and you're going to be in a firefight. So I fully expect that the Falcons team will not lose another 40-point game in five days the way they lost to the Dallas Cowboys on Sunday. The NFL the NFL players are just too good, and they have a lot of pride whether people want to believe that or not. Don't think for one second that the Falcons are still smarting from that on Sunday thinking, you know what, we're not going to let that happen to us again. And if we take down a Patriots team that has won four in a row is playing really good football right now, the NFL this year has shown that nobody should be surprised by anything that happens because that's how it's been week in and week out, second to second. All right, that was the kind of the best four minutes of my talk with Freddie Coleman. We also spoke about the Ennis Cantor situation with the Celtics. So the full interview is available on the podcast channel on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. We love talking to Freddie. We had a chance to get Benny Shungu on live on uh, live today at 545. So we talked to him in the usual spot. So Freddie, here we play that. Tom Karen, we got a couple minutes of later too. So I'm not going to turn down interviews of people I know can turn, you know, can bring us great content, and we'll find a way to make it all work for us. So that's what we did there with Freddie. I think he's right. The Falcons have a chance to provide resistance. Um, the Patriots should win this game, though. I think this game's going to be ugly because generally Thursday night games are ugly. I do think it's going to be a good opportunity for Mac Jones tomorrow night. His first chance, as I told Freddie, prepare on a short week. Prepare with a limited game plan. It'll not really go through the full practice gamut. So I think all of that will be good to see how Mac Jones responds. I expect him to play well, but I expect the team to be generally conservative and just try to get out of there with a win. I got the Patriots winning 23-14, to so I've got them winning by 9. I think they will control it, but I don't think that it's going to be I don't think you're going to see 45-7. to I just don't think Thursday night games are generally played with that kind of explosiveness. There's probably going to be a, a turnover or two here or there. There's probably going to be some penalties. Thursday games, I always have in my mind that they are sloppy and they are generally lower scoring than Sunday night games are. 
or than Sunday games are, rather. So I think the Pats win. I think it's good for Mac in terms of his development, but I don't think that it looks particularly crisp like Sunday did. Sunday was a clinic against Cleveland. I don't think they're repeating that tomorrow. Um, things that should point you in the direction of the Pats being able to win this game, the injury report is in their favor. Damian Harris is going to play. Gunnar Olszewski is going to play. Cordero Patterson, the best offensive player all around for the Falcons, he might not play. He's a game-time decision, so he either won't play or is going to be questionable. So you've got the advantage on the injury report there. Uh, the Falcons are last in the NFL in sacks. They're second to last in passer rating, opponent, opponent passer rating, rather. So even though I don't think it's going to necessarily be, you know, again, a clinic, Mac Jones is going to have some time to throw, time to scan the field. They're playing indoors. Weather won't be an issue. It'll be a fast track. I think all that points to a Patriots win, although, again, generally more lower scoring than we have seen here out of the Pats the last couple weeks. Last four weeks, the Pats are averaging 37 points a game. I don't think we're getting that, but I think we walk out of that game tomorrow night with a 7-4 Pats record. So, game tomorrow is at 5.30 with the pregame show, so no show for us. We're back at it on Friday when we'll have a full recap of the show. For now, though, every single day we do this, it's time for Who's Saying What? Whoa, whoa, whoa. What did he say? Mac Jones. Good Lord. Mel Kuyper's got to slow down on this. Mac Jones ain't going to work, folks. It's not going to work. He's got to come to terms with it. It's not going to work. They really said that? Every damn thing is politics and race, and I'm losing my mind over it. It's time for Who's Saying What on the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV AM, FM, and WDEVradio.com. Who's Saying What is brought to you by Vermont Laser Wash, which is Central Vermont's home of unlimited car washes. It begins at only $20 a month. I love the idea of this club. Get as many car washes as you want for a month for only $20. Like regular car washes cost like as much as $14 in some places. So basically for the price of, you know, less than two regular car washes, you can get as many car washes as you want for a month. I love that idea. I don't even live in central Vermont. I might do that just to get myself some money. So save myself some money. Also, if you want a free car wash just to kind of test it out, well, text the word Vermont to the number 3400. 30400. So 30,400 without the comma. So, and I got to say, as for who's saying what, I don't really get this one. Uh, Mac Jones came out the other day and said he was on WEEI in Boston. He said the Patriots had a good formula for winning and said that the team was very confident in that formula and said he thought they were playing with confidence and he knew how to win. Well, here's what Keyshawn Johnson of ESPN Radio said today. Bill Belichick's the issue. <laughs> Bill Belichick is going to tell him after that. We won't be hearing him talk about we're confident, we have a winning formula. No, Bill will see him in the hallway and tell him, what are you, the locker room spokesperson now? <laughs> like, now? Watch what I tell you. You watch. I'm curious to see this. You won't. He'll be on the radio show the rest of the year <laughs> on his show, but you will not hear him utter not one of those words. You watch. So Keyshawn says that Mac Jones basically said too much. I, I disagree. I, I think Mac is well-schooled. He played at Alabama for Nick Saban. He's well-schooled there. He's well-schooled with the Patriots. He knows 
he can't say very much, and I don't think he said much all season, and I don't think he said that much there. I mean, I've got the exact quote. We're confident, and we know what the formula is for winning the game. We just have to continue to do that. That's not that bad. By the way, like we all know the Patriots' formula. I don't think Mac Jones comes off as a know-it-all. We all know. Play good defense, run the football, don't turn it over. That's the formula. He's not giving up the secret sauce. I don't think he looks arrogant. I don't think he looks cocky. I don't think he looks like a know-it-all. And I don't think he's giving up company secrets. Where exactly is the problem with what Mac Jones said the other day? And trust me, I parse through press conferences. I'm looking for things. I'm generally looking for little things that we can make into bigger things. I generally am looking for that stuff. And I often do get tweaked by athletes saying the quote wrong thing. I don't see anything here. I don't see anything here. Again, not a know-it-all, not arrogant, not demeaning other teams, and not giving up company secrets. I, I think that Mac Jones has done a great job all year at adopting the Tom Brady, saying stuff, letting words out, without saying anything at all. And he's played the Patriots game well. He's a, Number one, he's a rookie, so I don't expect to hear from him a ton. And number two, he's a rookie on the Patriots. I think he's lived up to my expectations. He hasn't said much of anything all year. Even last week, he was asked about Odell Beckham Jr., and he said it's up to the coaching staff. This week, he was asked a question. He said, ah, I can't give up too much. You'd have to ask Coach Belichick. He knows. I think Keyshawn is just searching a little bit too much to find something there because I usually search too and I didn't see anything. Mac knows. He knows not to say too much. He's not. It's the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV, AM and FM and WDEVradio.com. Do want to give you a traffic notice. We talked about this in the afternoon news service. Waterbury Center, there was uh, both lanes closed. They are now reopened. So, do drive safely, but the road was closed, Route 100 in both directions. It is now open. So if you are driving out there, uh, do be safe, but know you can get to where you are going. We will step aside and we come back. I, I began the show railing about the idea of John Henry buying the Pittsburgh Penguins. It really rubs me the wrong way as a New England sports fan. Should it? Tom Karen, Red Sox and Bruins insider at Nesson, the best of TC. He tells me what he thinks. That's next on the Brady Farkas Show on DEV. Now it's back to the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV AM, FM, and WDEVradio.com. Welcome back in, Brady Farkas Show, right here on WDEV AM and FM and WDEV Radio. Dot com show brought to you in part by Pro Driver Training. They're online at prodrivercdl.com. It's Vermont's premier truck driver training school. Locations in Enosburg and in Milton. If you can help you get your class A CDL, your class B CDL. You can also work on advanced pass advanced skills and passenger training. Also, you can do some coursework, get some book work in, get some real life application of that book work. So prodrivercdl.com, it could just be the best decision you make career-wise. The text line is open at 802-585-3026. That's the Napa-Morrisville, Napa-Waterbury text line, 802-585-3026. 
26. John Henry, the owner of the Red Sox and the Fenway Sports Group, is in deep talks and wants to buy the Pittsburgh Penguins of the NHL. I am not okay with that as a New England sports fan. I started off the show railing about that. I spoke earlier today with Red Sox and Bruins insider Tom Karen at Nesson, of which the Fenway Sports Group owns 80%, and I asked TC a couple of questions about that and one about the Red Sox at the end. So full interview is online on the podcast channel. The best four minutes of Tom Karen is right now. I said, TC, should I be upset about John Henry wanting to buy the Pittsburgh Penguins? See, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say you should not be, but I'm going to say that you will be. Yes. I mean, that, that, that's where we are. I, listen, I mean, they made it clear when they took in the, the additional investment, Redbird Capital and, and LeBron James, all the investments they made in the last year was so that this, this group, uh, the Fenway Sports Group, which is what it is now, can go out and add to its global portfolio um, of sports teams. And if if you think they're not going to look at NHL teams because the Bruins aren't for sale, or if they're not going to look at NBA teams because the Celtics aren't for sale, or NFL teams because the Patriots aren't for sale, then you're not paying attention. This is what they want to do. They've, they've had success, obviously, with the Red Sox and Liverpool, and it's now RFK Racing or, or RFR Racing. But the NASCAR team, uh, which they just rebranded, uh, you know, they're going to do this. So there's a pretty good chance they're going to own teams outside of the market. I think it's why, and I don't know this, I have no inside information, but I think it's why you hear less from John Henry and Tom Warner about the team. You hear from Sam Kennedy. They're letting each team run itself independently. Uh, Sam Kennedy, high and bloom, run the Red Sox. Jurgen Klopp runs uh, Liverpool. Uh, and, and, you know, so it makes sense to me, and it doesn't bother me. But as a fan, uh, are you going to be happy when the Penguins come in and beat the Bruins? Uh, no, you're going to be upset. But but this is what happened when they brought LeBron James in. Celtics fans are upset about that. So this is the way it is now. Does this impact the Red Sox at all financially in any way? No. And I, everybody said that with Liverpool. Oh, they're going to spend all their money on soccer. They don't care about this. The Red Sox have still had one of the highest payrolls. They've won two World Series since they bought Liverpool. They were two wins away from the World Series this year. Uh, I know these guys, they are driven to win uh, the same uh, competitive fire that, that makes them want to be uh, one of the biggest global uh, brands on earth. Uh, it's the same competitive drive that wants them to win every uh, field they play in. So, no, this won't divert any resources from the Red Sox. They would run the Penguins as its own entity. Red Sox also reportedly interested in Javier Baez in the free agent market. Um, I'm not interested in Baez. I know he had a better second half of the year with the Mets, but he strikes out way too much. I get he's great defensively. You can put him at second. He can play there. There's a lot of appealing things, but I'm not interested in Baez. Where do you stand? Yeah, I'm with you on that, and I understand why they're doing it. He's been engaged in the shortstop market, Blue Pass. Uh, they're concerned, obviously, that there's a chance they lose Bogarts after next season. We've got the opt-out. And, and, you know, we all know that Bogarts' range, especially to his left, uh, is not elite. He's a, he's a good defender. He's a, he's a, he has made himself into a good major league shortstop. But the range is still an issue. When Devers over to the side, you're always a little concerned about the defense there. Baez would help that, but I'm with you. The strikeouts are, are staggering. Uh, you know, he's the kind of guy who's going to going to going to hit and going to 
driving some runs and hit some home runs. Uh, but he's gonna, you know, it's the modern age. He's gonna strike out a lot, and and he'll have some good seasons in there. But but I bet he'll have some some absolutely horrendous on base percentages in there as well. Uh, and that was a head scratcher to me when I when I first started hearing about that. Uh, again, I get the defense. I just don't, uh, you know, if you back Jose Iglesias, it'd be a heck of a lot cheaper than that. And we saw Iglesias with the pop. Uh, I, I assume they're a little concerned about Arroyo's durability. That's been an issue for him his entire career. I like Arroyo, uh, but I don't know that you can depend on him to be an everyday second baseman right now until he proves he can stay healthy. So I think these guys they're looking at are guys you can maybe play second base with an eye to moving over to shortstop should they lose Bogarts. I, but I'm with you. The Baez uh, approach of the play scares me. All right, there's the kind of best four minutes of Tom Karen, Red Sox Bruins insider at Nesson. Full interview available on the podcast channel. We talk with TC in some capacity every Wednesday. Here's the recap there of what you just heard. He doesn't think I should be upset about John Henry wanting to buy the Penguins. I still am. He doesn't think it will affect the Red Sox financially. I agree with that. That's a good thing. And TC is not interested in Javi Baez, and I also I'm not interested in Javi Baez in Boston. And I do I do understand the link. I can get that. If Bogart stays, Baez can play second. And if Bogart leaves, then he can play shortstop. That makes sense. But offensively, I cannot get behind the idea of bringing Javi Baez in. Under Alex Cora, the Red Sox have prided themselves on being an offense that makes contact and doesn't strike out. And Baez, he led all of baseball in strikeouts this year. It's a complete antithesis to what Alex Cora has preached and what Alex Cora likes and what Alex Cora believes in. Javi Baez has never, not once, had an on-base percentage for a season above 326. If I'm going to pay you as much money as Javi Baez is going to want, then you better be hitting near 326. And he can't even get an on-base percentage that high. Strikes out a ton, doesn't walk. Yes, he could hit you 30 homers. I'm aware of that. But 30 home runs and a 254 batting average with a 304 on-base percentage? I'm not interested in that. I I could keep Bobby Dahlbeck to do that if I wanted to. Bobby Dahlbeck could do that for a lot cheaper for me. No, he wouldn't play second base, but he could put up that number. He could strike out a ton. He could have a low on base percentage and could hit 240. Bobby Dahlbeck could do that. I don't need to pay Javi Baez to do that. I'm not interested. One other note on the Red Sox. Nathan Nivaldi just came out, finished fourth in the American League Cy Young voting. Um, Robbie Ray of the Blue Jays won it. He got 29 of the 30 first-place votes there. He beat out Garrett Cole of the Yankees, who finished in second. So Nathan Nivaldi, you know, that that deal he signed a couple years ago, four years, $68 million, heading into 2019, it was questioned. Now looks well worth it. A top-five Cy Young finish there on his ledger. So, uh, and... He's going to pitch next year at $17 million. We just saw Justin Verlander's $25 million. Noah Syndergaard, $21 million. Carlos Rodon's going to get more than 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 Evaldi, too. Evaldi's deal is now going to be a bargain. His $17 million contract is now going to be a bargain. So, seems well worth it to me now. Wasn't always that way. It is now 
at this point, though. It's the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. Let's get to crazy Twitter takes. The internet, it's a really weird place. Where'd you hear that? The internet. And you believed it? Yeah. They can't put anything on the internet that isn't true. Where'd you hear that? The yeah. internet. It's time for crazy Twitter takes on the Brady Farkas Show right here on WDEV AM, FM, and WDEVradio.com. Doesn't anyone notice this? I feel like I'm taking crazy pills! Well, crazy Twitter takes here comes from Colin Cowherd. This actually is an old take from around the draft, but it's one that we just discovered. It's actually in our Who's Saying What um, intro from you know that we played in the last segment. We had to bring it to you. Mac Jones, good Lord. Mel Kuyper's got to slow down on this. Mac Jones ain't going to work, folks. It's not going to work. He's got to come to terms with it. It's not going to work. I'm not going to pick on Colin because a lot of people didn't see this performance coming from Mac Jones. The the clip is really there just to frame the discussion. Where did we go wrong on Mac Jones? Because we all did, myself included. It is time now on November 17th, it is time for me to admit that I was wrong on Mac Jones. Okay, I was wrong. Would the team also be 6-4 and four with Cam Newton? Maybe. But I know that they're 6-4 and four with Mac Jones, and I didn't think that they would be. I thought maybe they could sneak into the playoffs. Be a six seed, be a seven seed, maybe win a game. I didn't think they'd be awful, but I didn't think that Mac Jones would be this good. I'll admit it. I did not think where I went wrong is I did not think that Mac Jones was athletic enough to play the position at a high level. Now, I've seen plenty of iffy athletes be okay. Case Keenum, Baker Mayfield, Jared Goff. They've all had moments. They've all been serviceable, but they aren't spectacular. That's what I thought Mac Jones would be. I thought he would be Baker Mayfield or Jared Goff. He'd be okay. He'd be serviceable. He'd have his moments, but he'd always need a lot of help around him. And look, he's got a good situation. I recognize that, but he isn't totally dependent on what's happening around him either. He is good on his own. Case Keenum is good, I think, because of what's around him. Jared Goff, we saw it. He was good in L.A. because of what was around him. He's now bad in Detroit. Mac Jones, I think, is just flat-out good now. I didn't think he was athletic enough to play the position at a high level. I have fallen in love with the legs of quarterbacks. I wanted Justin Fields. I thought it would open up a totally different layer of the offense. But it hasn't been necessary. Mac Jones has been athletic enough. He's run for a few first downs. He's been athletic enough to do some play-action rollout stuff. And Josh McDaniels has been able to scheme other guys into athletic situations, and he hasn't needed Mac to do that for him. Again, he's got some good things. A good coach, a stable organization, a relatively decent or above-average offensive line. He's got good things. He isn't playing for the Jaguars, so he is being propped up a bit, but he's clearly good on his own. I was wrong. I thought he was going to look very average and totally dependent on everything around him, and that hasn't been the case. He has shown that he can be a truly active participant in this offense and not, you know, as opposed to what Jermaine Wiggins of WEEI thinks, not just a passenger. I mean... 
he hasn't had everything perfect. He lost his safety blanket in James White. He hasn't. He didn't have John U. Smith last week. He didn't have Damian Harris. The guys around him have turned the football over. So while Mac has a good situation, he hasn't had it perfect, and he's played well, and he's overcome a lot of it anyways. Mac Jones is good, and I was wrong. He's not the perfect quarterback. I'd love for him to have Patrick Mahomes' arm. I'd love for him to have Justin Fields' feet. But he doesn't need that stuff to get by. I thought that he was going to. Ten games into the season, I admit it, I was wrong on Mac Jones. Maybe this team would be good still with Cam Newton. I think that absolutely was a possibility. But I know they're good with Mac Jones, and I know that he has um, proven me wrong. And by that clip, Colin Cowherd, too. It's the Brady Farkas Show. On WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. We spoke earlier in the show with former UVM... Well, we spoke earlier in the show yesterday with former UVM Hoops coach Tom Brennan. We spoke today with current UVM Hoops star Ben Shungu. Something that Benny said today really resonated with me. I'll tell you what that is. That's next on DEV. Now it's back to the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV AM, FM, and WDEVradio.com. Welcome back in, Brady Farkas Show right here on this Wednesday. Ten minutes away from our special programming, looking at the flood of 1927. So fascinating stuff coming up that's uh, coming up at the top of the hour. So it is WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. Earlier in the show, we spoke with Ben Shungu, the UVM men's basketball star, recently named the America East Player of the Week. He had 27 last Saturday afternoon against number 21, Maryland. I had to ask Benny this question. I said to him, I said, look, because of COVID, everybody was granted an extra year of eligibility. Ben Shungu could have transferred and not had to sit out a year. He could have left. He could have gone on to something bigger. He could have gone on to something, quote, better. Steph Smith did it. Steph Smith went to St. John's, and I don't begrudge him for doing that. I asked Benny, why did you want to stay? Why didn't you go the Steph Smith route? Um, I just think it was the best decision for me. Um, I felt like... One, I felt like, you know, it was unfinished business with uh, losing in the semifinals last year. And so um, I guess it just, when it all came down to it, um, it felt like I needed to graduate as a countermount and, um, you know, go at it one more time, really. Um, and also just the guys that are here, too. And, uh, you know, obviously the coaches and the coaching staff that we have now, too. Um, I just felt like everything was right uh, for me to stay. I love that answer. I would not have begrudged him if he left, but I love that answer. He's like, I'm from here. I want to do, I had unfinished business. I wanted to graduate a catamount. I thought it was great. You could tell in the interview that being from Vermont and playing at UVM, it does mean something to him. He said, I can't ignore that storyline. I can't ignore that story arc. And it matters to him. And I like that. It romanticizes the whole thing. It, when, in an era of college sports where the transfer portal is crazy and everybody wants to leave and you've got to re-recruit your own guys, here's a guy that had earned every right to leave and decided to stay. Selfishly, I'm happy that I still get to watch Ben Shungu play at UVM, but also I'm just happy to see you know, that that UVM matters to him. And I think that was, that was cool for me to hear because oftentimes we know that these programs are just a means for guys to get on to other things. And 
UVM mattered enough to Ben Chung would want to stay. Winning here in this place mattered enough. I also thought yesterday when I spoke to Coach Brennan, it was really cool because I told Coach Brennan, I said, Ben Shungu to me is the most important player. Ryan Davis is the reigning player of the year. It's pretty cool the dynamic that they have together where they're not stepping on each other's toes for attention. When we had Sorrentine and Coppenrath, we had two league MVPs. One was mm-hmm. the year before the other, right? And so now they come back and they're playing together. And, and I'm thinking to myself, if either one of these guys is a jerk, we got problems. We got problems. Because if either guy says, hey, I'm the MVP, let's look over at me. Or the other guy says it, and they never did it. They never did it. And, and, it was, and that's why we were so, so good. That's exactly why we were so good. And so anyway, with this situation, I see the exact same thing. Uh, Davis is such uh, a, a good guy and low, uh, you know, low maintenance. And Benny is even lower. Yeah, I just think it was cool. I, I think there's a lot of humility there. And Ben Sh- you know, the thing that is so amazing to me is that in the pros, money, you know, money is kind of the end-all be-all. Money shows the respect, right? Guy gets paid a lot. He's got his respect. In college sports where there's not money, the headlines and the awards breed you your respect. And both of these guys, I'm sure – want to play basketball professionally somewhere. Europe, Asia, Israel, wherever, they want to play basketball somewhere. And the best way to get noticed and get on people's radars is to put up numbers and to win awards. These guys could very easily look at it selfishly. Hey, I want to win league MVP. Let me get my shots to do it. Hey, I want to win player of the year. Hey, I want to score 20 a game. But they don't. There seems to be a humility there among both Ben Shungu and Ryan Davis that is cool, and it's not its not the norm. Not every player is selfish, of course, but there are a lot of athletes that would want the attention, that would want the, um, the notoriety that comes with awards, that would want the headlines, that would want to get noticed. And Benny told me, too, I asked him the question about his humility. He said, look, we don't need to do that stuff. We don't need that. We're good with what we do. And I thought that was very cool. Ben Chung was a very, very likable player, not just because he's from Vermont. That obviously kind of gets him in, in with the fan base, but he's just a likable player and a likable guy. And I thought his interview with us was great. The full interview is available on the Brady Farkas Show podcast channel. Once again, Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. So uh, we are off tomorrow, remember? The Brady Farkas Show, no show because of the Patriots. Patriots are taking on the Atlanta Falcons, so that coverage begins at 5.30. So I'll be here with the afternoon news service. I will not be here with the show. We will be back at it again on Friday. We'll talk to Phil Perry of NBC Sports Boston. We'll have some stuff from Buster Olney of ESPN. We usually talk to Buster on Thursday, but with no show, we're talking to him on Friday. So we'll get into some Red Sox rumors also. So a lot of good stuff coming here uh, over the course of the week, but or course of the week, rather. But Go Patriots. I got the Pats winning 23-14, to winning by 9. Again, slow game, conservative game, but good for Mac Jones to get a Thursday game under his belt. I'll recap it with you all on Friday. See you then on DEV. That was an awful ending. Let me try that again. I'll see you on Friday on WDEV.